Well, hello, good morning. This past week, our theme for the 21 days of prayer and fasting has been on gratitude. So I'm going to begin with just a couple things I'm grateful for. I thought about this morning as I was in worship. One is that we are one month into gaining daylight. <laughs> and I also want to express my uh, gratitude for the young bucks that got up on the roof a week or two ago and shoveled the roof off the church. Thank you, John, for leading that and all you young guys. And sorry, I forgot to mention that last week, but uh, not that we're ever going to need that or, I mean, we're going to get more snow. Not, not saying that, but it's just good to have that weight off the roof <laughs> for the second run of the second phase, right? Gratitude. Well, gratitude is saying thank you to our maker. And the praying with gratitude is what we want to talk about this morning. And praying with gratitude is kind of like soaking our soul in an awareness of the supremacy of God. Uh, This morning, I want to show us a pattern of prayer that can be observed in the Bible. And And it's a way of praying where we get to know the heart of God We get to immerse ourselves in the promises of God that he's given us and then thank him for what he wants to do, what he's going to do, what he intends to do. Praying with gratitude, I like to think of, is kind of like praying with the pilot light on. Everyone know what a pilot light is in your furnace and your stove? You kind of need the pilot light, right? And if the pilot light goes out in the furnace, it's an indicator there's some kind of lack of fuel (laughs) that's even fueling the pilot light. But the pilot light's what's there, always on, always um, burning to ignite the the stove or the furnace or whatever to make it come on. So the pilot light needs to be on. And praying with thanksgiving is that attitude that we live in, a lifestyle of being thankful to God that ignites effective prayer. So we're going to look at that. Last week, on which was day 18 on Thursday for my social media devotionals I've been sending out during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I talked about an Oreo cookie. And it's the Oreo cookie that I like to call, as is found in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And I'm going to start my message this morning with those thoughts I shared uh, last Thursday from Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So there's a middle phrase there you can see that's held together on either side by two complementary instructions. Like an Oreo cookie, there's the tantalizing middle, we could call it, the praying without ceasing, but that begs the question, how do we pray without ceasing? How is that possible? And are we able, even capable of doing that? What does it even mean? Well, I love this verse because I think it instructs us on how to pray without ceasing and answers that perennial question of why is that even in the Bible? Is that even possible to be constantly in prayer? Well, the answer is, the, the, the wafer in the front says, rejoice always, 
And the wafer on the other side says, give thanks in all circumstances. So that means that ceaseless prayer or constant prayer or not giving up the habit of prayer, however you want to interpret that, is the habit of saying thank you. It's the attitude, the lifestyle of living in that spirit of gratitude. It's, prayer is meant to be this joy-filled lifestyle of gratitude, uh, just walking through life with the attitude of saying, thank you, Lord, thank you to the Lord for his goodness. So if we begin to think of prayer in this way, um, then it really helps us because often we think of prayer as this endless words of bring, bringing requests to God, bringing this list before the Lord. And, and if we think of prayer only as words that we say, constant flow of words, then praying without ceasing is impossible to achieve. At least for me it is because I'm not a man of, that loves to talk. Uh, Frankie would know that. Every time I get up to speak, it's like a miracle that happens with my words because I don't often have many words. And so this idea of praying constantly all the time with words, just always talking to the Lord, is impossible for me. But it, it enlarges our understanding of what prayer means in that command to pray without ceasing if we are, understand prayer to include this matter that in everything, every circumstance of life, we come to God with the spirit of gratitude or approach life with the spirit of gratitude. Then it opens up this whole new uh, vista of potential for us to live in the constant presence or awareness of God. When I'm in conversation with people, either with people, human people, or with God, I, uh, I, I often can't think of what to say. But I've learned throughout life that I don't have to say a lot, but one good thing, always a good thing to say, is thank you. And I've realized, come to realize, that in those two little words, there's just a magnitude of expressions of honor, of respect, of trust, of confidence, of love and hope. All of those um, ingredients of faith are expressed in that little word, those two little words, thank you. They're powerful words. And gratitude is like this reflex of faith that pulls the soul into communion with the divine presence of God and just soak in in his supremacy and just realizing how great and how good he is. So what is it that makes grateful people different? In other words, what are the distinguishing marks of gratitude? How can we recognize it and how can we cultivate it? Well, I believe that one of them is that um, grateful people see that the world is alive with the grandeur of God. Wherever we go, like someone said, they looked out and said, I love, even though it was cold this morning, I love the beauty. And I said, well, when we lived in Fairbanks, um, as cold as Fairbanks was, we learned to love the ice fog. 
Now that we look back on it, we don't know how in the world we love the fog, but you got to go through life learning to cultivate an, 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 an appreciation for the grandeur of God. And then we also don't measure life by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Uh, we see a world with all of its fallenness, and rather fo- than focusing on the brokenness of our world, we see a world and recognize, and we're not in den- denial of the kind of world or life that we live, are struggling with, but we still hold on to a beauty that is there, that God has given us, that takes our breath away. And I love the question that Andrew Peterson wrote in his song, Don't You Want to Thank Someone? He wrote these words, Don't you ever wonder why, in spite of all that's wrong here, there's still so much that goes so right and beauty abounds? Because sometimes when you walk outside, the air is full of song here. The thunders roll, the thunder rolls, and the baby sighs, and the rain comes down, and when you see the spring has come, and it warms you like a mother's kiss, don't you want to thank someone? Don't you want to thank someone for this? I love that attitude. Someone once asked Gypsy Smith, that great old uh, evangelist preacher, uh, what was the secret of his long life that he lived? And he said, I never lost the wonder of it all. (laughs) I never lost the wonder of it all. I love that. And so just wanted to introduce ourselves with that Oreo cookie, the the two wafers on the other side of that command to pray without ceasing, never stop, always be living in an attitude of prayer, but that then helps open up a proper definition or a pattern of prayer that prayer is not just constant flow of words, but it's an attitude of gratitude to rejoice evermore and and in everything give thanks, or the two wafers in the, that um, are on the other side of that middle expression. But I want to move to a second scripture that gives us uh, te- another teaching on the biblical pattern of prayer, and that's found in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, where Paul said, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, Paul's letter to the Colossians contains seven words of thanksgiving. It contains the word thank, giving thanks, thanksgiving, thankful, and gratitude, seven times in the little book of Colossians. And that gives the book of Colossians this, one scholar said, this unmistakable aroma of thanksgiving. And the last one of those seven texts in Colossians about thanksgiving is this one that says that prayer should be both watchful and thankful. And that's a really interesting relationship I want to pause to reflect on and I want to draw your attention to. Being watchful means seeing what God is up to. It's being on high alert, on high awareness. Lord, what are you doing in the world or in my life? And it's being in tune with God of what he is wanting. Remember Jesus said that we are to pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So being watchful is seeing what God wants to do and then being thankful means 
being confident of what God can do. Both of them carry this idea of discernment or expectation or anticipation. Both are virtues of faith. They're completely God-aware. Like um, a watchman in the Old Testament, for example, is where this word uh, watchfulness and prayer comes from. Uh, He was the guy that would stand on the wall uh, and uh, he was on high alert, high awareness, uh, vigilant. And one of the Hebrew words for a prophet is the word seer. And he is one who has this spiritual insight in the true nature or the condition of things. And so Paul says that watchfulness and thankfulness need to be wetted together. And I believe that Paul gives us a very important spiritual principle in those two words about what constitutes effective prayer. What's a good pattern for prayer? Being watchful and being thankful, bringing them together, is kind of like praying with the pilot light on. He says that when we pray, we should discern and anticipate God's direction, what God wants, his way he's going to intervene, and be, have this high sense of God awareness tuned in to God, and then thank him for what he's going to do. Praying with gratitude is like praying with the pilot light on. Our prayer will grow stronger when we learn to watch for what God wants and then thank him for what he's going to do. I grew up in a a, a spiritual movement, a a church where I used to hear the saints, the old elderly folk in the church, that they would talk about a concept that they called praying through. Anybody ever remember hearing about praying through on something? Praying, They would go, uh, even at my, uh, my brother-in-law's funeral Friday, they talked about uh, his parents going to the, uh, a separate room and praying through on something regarding my brother-in-law Rusty's life and his future. And the idea was is that they would, they would take a matter before the Lord in prayer And they would pray into it. They would pray to God about it until God brought a peace or God brought an assurance. God brought an awareness. Um, He let them know something deep in their inner knower. (laughs) And and, and then it was settled. It's like they, they, they prayed until they got to that place to where they knew something. They knew what God wanted and then they thanked him for it, and they, they left. It was, it was called praying through. That's a, it's a deep aspect of a life of prayer, isn't it? Uh, but I remember hearing the saints talk about the need to pray through on things. And praying is like that. But this kind of prayer is a symbionic, uh, what we call a symbionic relationship between thanksgiving and faith between anticipation and expectation, between awareness, God awareness, being so aware of what God wants that we have this confidence that he's going to do it. Now, symbiosis is this concept that comes to us from the field of biology. And it recognizes how 
Two different organisms can live together for the mutual advantage of both of them. And I'll give you an example. <coughs> um, <clears throat> there's a mutual symbiosis that exists between the clown, clownfish and sea anemones. Uh, the clownfish lives within the stinging tentacles of the sea anemone. The clownfish is a very territorial fish that protects the anemone from anemone fighting and eating fish. And, and in turn, the stinging tentacles of the anemone protect the clownfish from predators. So there's this special mucus that the clownfish has that protects it from the stinging tentacles of the anemone. So you can kind of see there's this what biologists call this um, mutual symbiosis that exists between the two that help one another live and exist and thrive together. And there's also a mutual symbiosis that exists between watchfulness, Paul says, and thanksgiving, which is the prayer of faith. They both work together and encourage one another. And Paul says in Colossians 2, 7, Let your roots grow down unto him, let your lives be built on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the overflow of faith in Christ. And the reverse is also true, that thankfulness is the secret of vigorous faith. The more you pray with thanksgiving, the greater your faith will, will be. For example, Andrew Murray wrote a little book I read one time that was a, a, wrote a chapter called The Thanksgiving of Faith. And here's a brief quote. He said, where faith is active and growing, it will always go coupled with thanksgiving. As faith stirs up to thanksgiving, so it exercises a reactive influence. It, in turn, strengthens our faith. Thanksgiving strengthens our faith. He said, faith and thanksgiving belong to one another, and they keep one another. The more I believe, the more I shall thank, and the more I thank the more I shall believe. The lack of faith is the reason that men give thanks so little. The neglect of thanksgiving binders and weakens faith. This is the fault to which too little attention has been paid and from which many a one suffers great loss. Well, Mr. Murray, we're trying to give attention to this this morning <laughs> and learn the important principle in the biblical pattern of prayer that thankfulness, watchfulness and thanksgiving need to be wedded together. So we've looked at two scriptures that teach us that gratitude is a, the key to effective prayer. But now I want to move in and show you examples from the life of Jesus, that this is actually the way that the Gospels tell us he prayed. Jesus modeled this. For example, one was at the grave of his best friend, Lazarus. And so Lazarus is dead. He's already been put in the tomb, into the grave. And so it, Jesus comes, and of course there's a story behind it about how he delayed his coming and he arrived late, and, and Lazarus' sisters were upset about that. But it says that they rolled the stone aside. Jesus wanted to go in to the place where Lazarus lay. 
And they rolled the stone aside, and then it says, Then Jesus looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. So Jesus modeled praying with the pilot light on. His prayers were ignited by gratitude. Uh, and so um, death, of course, here's Lazarus dead. Death is the most hopeless situation we can find in life. It's the most extreme example of an impossible challenge to faith, to face. It's terminal. It made Jesus weep. When he saw firsthand what sin had done to the human race, his emotions erupted in a compassionate lament over the tragedy of sin. He wept. And this is where that verse, Jesus wept, is found. You know that memory verse in VBS that's easy to memorize and you get points for it. This is the story. He wept over the death of his friend Lazarus because he saw how sin had brought death to our world. But notice how Jesus turned his heartbreak over the death of his friend over to the Father. With a grateful heart, he lifted up a prayer. It says, Then Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Death was staring Jesus in the face. He was heartbroken, but he took this impossible-looking situation. He prayed to the Father with this forward-looking thanksgiving, and he thanked God for raising Lazarus from the dead before he was ever raised from the dead. He thanked God when everything looked impossible, when impossibility was staring him in the face. We often think that Thanksgiving is something we pray after the event, when God has done something. And, and of course, that is a, a core piece of Thanksgiving. And there's even a, a story that Jesus taught about the, the lepers who came you know, and uh, were, were healed by Jesus, but only, uh, only one of them returned to say thanks, expressing the value and importance of, and the significance of giving thanksgiving for something that's happened that God has done in the past. But there's also a forward-looking element to gratitude and to thanksgiving that we're focusing on today. Thanksgiving is both a backward look and a forward look. And so it brings us then to the, the uh, two other examples of the way that Jesus patterned this in the way that he prayed. And that is that at the two miracle meals where he turned uh, bread and fish into the mul fed the multitude, one was he fed 5,000 people, another he fed 4,000 people. On both occasions, the, all three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, say that Jesus looked up to heaven and then he prayed. When I get to heaven, I want to ask Jesus why when he prayed he looked up to heaven. I just find that interesting. He, he, like, he, like he drew his, his physical body followed uh, his heart and he looked up to heaven and he, he prayed and it says that all three of the gospel writers says that before Jesus performed this miracle of the multiplying of the loaves and fishes in both cases, the 5,000 and the 4,000, on both of these occasions it says that he gave thanks before the miracle happened, before the food was multiplied. He didn't wait until he saw the miracle. He gave thanks even though all he saw was a few fishes 
and a few loaves in a basket. So when Jesus prayed, he gave thanks as an expression of faith. He gave thanks by faith. When Jesus prayed, he gave thanks to God for something before it ever happened. For him, gratitude was not just a backward look, but it was a forward look. The goodness of God in the past, the God that Jesus knew better than anybody else, was so good, so mighty, so powerful, that he knew who he was. So knowing who God was allowed Jesus to give thanks to God for something before it ever happened. And let me explain what I mean by that, because... Frankie and I were talking as we were driving to church this morning. I was asking her about, can you think of some examples like in our, in our marriage about how this principle might be applied? And we got laughing about it. Like, so we were thinking about, well, what if I came to her and you know, out of the blue, she's not even thinking about this. And, and I said, honey, thank you so much for sewing that button on my shirt. <laughs> you know, that's a little bit manipulative, right? Or, or she says to me, honey, thank you so much for bringing in wood, <laughs> bringing in firewood. You know, it's a, it's a way to manip- manipulate one another by doing that. And so this doesn't, just doesn't sound right, right, to, that we come to God to say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do here. So it's, th- that's not how it works because it's important to recognize that the God that we're coming to is a God who has first spoken to us, given us a revelation of what he is like and a multitude of promises he has given for us to live by. He's promised to take care of us. He's said, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you, right? And so God has given us promises and so our expression of watchfulness and thanksgiving is given to him because he's already spoken to us. It's like um, me already saying to Frankie, I'm going to bring in firewood. And therefore she says, oh, thank you, honey, for bringing in the firewood. Or Frankie says, would you like to me to make you some chicken pot pies? You know, to break our fast. This, oh, I'm, I can't wait for that chicken pot pie when I get home. <laughs> and I say, oh, thank you, honey. I've been starving for 21 days. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's predicated on a promise, right? And we, we must not forget that because otherwise we think this, we're, the power of gratitude is the power to manipulate God into doing something that he hasn't thought of or he's reluctant to do. It's not like we're waking up God to do something by, by this power of gratitude. So it's not that way at all. Gratitude is a response to something God has promised and given and, and revealed himself to be. So I thought that I, we needed to clear that up. Let me just share you a couple other stories before we end. And one is this great story from the book of Acts about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas is a great example of praying with the pilot light on because they were in, uh, they were been severely beaten in Philippi. They had been put in jail. And in the middle of the night, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were giving thanks to God before they knew how things were going to turn out. And all of a sudden, the prison doors burst open, and God allowed them freedom to get out. 
See, Christian thanksgiving is living by insight, not by eyesight. Um, we walk by faith, which is confidence and dependence upon what God has said and in what he's promised and what he's told us, his greatness. Doubt cannot linger in the presence of thanksgiving. So prayer needs a pilot light. It needs to be ignited by thanksgiving. And so praying with gratitude is forward-looking faith. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that is not yet seen. If you want an increase in faith, then begin to listen to the Holy Spirit for spiritual insight and then thank God for what he's wanting to do. Ask God to just give you this watchfulness, which I think of, when I think of watchfulness, I think of this awareness, having a, having a God awarenessness of what God is doing. And I see it. I see God. I'm, I'm so aware right now of, of several areas of how God is working powerfully and what he's going to do. And if you want, I'm just going to give you a little advertisement or, or, or advertisement that next Sunday is going to be a special Sunday in which Pastor Jonathan Walker is going to be speaking to all of our campuses and he's going to be telling some exciting things of how God is on the move and what he's doing and the plans God has for us at all of our campuses, including Willow. All right? Be here next Sunday. I see God working powerfully. So seeing God working administrating, orchestrating things, our response to that is to cooperate with it in prayer and to hedge it in with prayer, with watchfulness and thanksgiving. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Andrew Murray said, Thanksgiving will teach your soul that you may calmly confide in God. So here's one of the greatest stories that I love to think about and talk about. It's the story of the life of George Mueller. <clears throat> you remember last Sunday, Pastor Josh was talking about these great men of faith that he used to read about and how they inspired him so much and they finally got at a place where he said, Lord, I don't want just to read stories about other people's faith and exploits for God. I want that to be my story as well. <laughs> and George Mueller was one of the ones Pastor Josh referred to. And here's one of the great stories that comes from his life. He was a, a preacher in England many, many years ago who ran an orphanage in Eng England. And early one morning at this orphanage, he was told that they were completely out of food and money. They had no food to feed the kids. And as soon as he heard of the needs that the orphanage had, Mueller grabbed the hand of one of the workers there, a young girl named Abigail, and he said to her, now listen to what he said, come, see what our father will do. See, that's watchfulness, right? Just catch this mighty man of prayer and how he's praying just in, in absolute conformity to the biblical pattern. He started out, come and see. He's on high alert, uh, high awareness of what God wants to do. Come and see what our Father will do. 
And he led her into the dining room. And there in the dining room, the table was all set. The children were sitting there at the table waiting for their prayer to be prayed and the morning food to be brought to them. And Mueller came to the table, lifted his hands, and he prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. I just thought it was good to even read it in Old English. You know, that was how he said it. I thank thee that thou art going to give that for what thou art going to give us to eat. And immediately after he finished that prayer, there was a knock at the door. And at the door there stood the baker, the town baker. And he explained to George that he couldn't sleep that night because he felt that somehow the orphanage was out of bread. And so he said he got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and made bread for them, and he felt impressed that he should bring it to them. George Mueller gave thanks to God for the bread, and then there was a second knock on the door, and there stood the milkman. And the milkman said, for some reason, he said, my cart broke down right in front of your door, and my cart is full of milk, and I'm wondering, would it be okay if I brought the milk in and gave it to you guys because I need to take it off the cart to take the weight off so I can fix the wheel. <laughs> Mueller thanked him for the milk, and God had provided, right? Do you notice how George Mueller prayed? He said, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. His thanksgiving was forward-looking, wasn't complaining or grumbling. It was forward anticipating to see the goodness of God in action in his life. Faith is learning to give thanks to God even if we don't know how things are going to work out. And then the final story is the story in the Old Testament about the Battle of Jericho. The Battle of Jericho illustrates this point so well. For six days, Joshua told the army of Israel to march around the city of Jericho. They weren't to say a word, and I love that, because you don't have to pray with words. You can pray with your feet, right? <laughs> you can prayer walk. We did prayer walking. Frank and I used to do a prayer walking in our subdivision in Fairbanks years ago, and he'd walk by the by this house of this young man that I knew was running hard after away from God. And we'd walk by his house and we would pray over that house and pray over him. And shortly thereafter, he gave his heart to the Lord. It's one of the great stories of faith in my own relationship with the Lord where I was praying with my feet as we were praying around the community. So they were praying with their feet, marching around Jericho. Seven priests carried the Ark of the Covenant and the seven blew the trumpets as they marched. This was the march of faith and thanksgiving. It was a God-aware God-centered faith. And God was going to be their deliverer. God was going to be their provider. And then on the seventh day, they went again. And this day, they marched around seven times. And on the seventh time, they were told to give a shout. He said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. They were the, to shout before the walls came down, right? They were shout because, shouting because of anticipation of God fulfilling a promise of his might and power. 
that he would give them victory. And the point is that they marched and shouted before the walls fell down, not after. So praying with thanksgiving increases our faith and our confidence in God because it's anticipating God being who he is, doing what he's promised to do. It's anticipating God's blessing. I want to grow in that area of faith, don't you? I want to press into this higher level of faith. I want to learn how to reach that place in prayer where I can thank God for what he wants to do. God's not asleep. God's not forgotten us. God's not a God of, of George Mueller's generation, but then the end of story. No, he's part of our life. And he wants to write that story of his goodness in each one of our lives at this time, at this place in history. This is our pattern for prayer. We get to know the heart of God. We dive deep into the promises of God, and then we thank him for what he wants to do. Let's stand. Worship the Lord. Lord, thank you so much for this pattern of prayer that you modeled, Jesus, and that we are taught. And so, Lord, just help us to learn it. Help us to apply it. Help us to live in a constant attitude of gratitude to the Lord for his goodness. And watch you work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.